coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 8th of October, 2023, the supremacy of Christ in the modern age. Many of you know me from True Value, uh, probably. I do recognize some faces here, uh, but I feel like I should introduce myself a little bit. Um, um, he already introduced me as Zach Perso, but... I'm a 45-year-old father of nine beautiful children. Only eight of them are here today, though, because my oldest is sick. So, you know, but, uh, well, uh, yeah, so they're sitting right there, and my beautiful wife, Jessica, she's my biggest fan. <laughs> so, um, but I was raised military. I'm a military brat. I've been all over the country. Uh, my dad was Air Force, uh, 22 years, uh, culture, lifestyle, everything uh, so I've had the opportunity, uh, a great opportunity, of uh, being able to be in many different churches all over the country, and um, I've actually um, been uh, preaching since I was about 12 years old, uh, roughly. Uh, the pastor in Alaska that I, where I, I used to go to, um, he had us young men uh, teach at the homeschool conferences we had every Thursday, and uh, so we'd rotate through, so that was real fun. Uh, pretty much the preaching involved something to the effect of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, what that means is God so loved the world that he gave, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's young men learning how to preach and, and, and uh, cutting their teeth on, on God's word. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of my background. Um, God has called us to Florida. Um, he's made it abundantly clear over this last year. Uh, my, my, my family and I, um, we, we have had a burden to plant churches for several years now. Uh, God's been put, pushing us in that direction uh, to, to begin works. Um, I don't know if anybody's aware of the numbers in this country, um, but say, going back to the 1950s, for example, uh, there were 27 churches per 10,000 people. And uh, there was a lot of churches uh, in this country in the 50s and, and previously. Um, however, that's declined so much so over the, to the extent over the last 70 plus years that we're now down to six churches per 10,000 people. So you can see the massive decline in this country, uh, the amount of churches, good, you know, Bible-based churches. I, I, that doesn't include Catholic churches or Mormon churches or Jehovah's Witness, but I'm talking churches that preach the gospel. Um, so I just kind of, that is, is a burden that has, has plagued me for years. Excuse me. And so I feel like um, coming coming with that mindset and the fact that I have lived all over the country, um, it just felt like God was given that burden to to us uh, for the last several years to, to start new churches. Why? Because we don't have enough. And some people can say, well, what do we need more churches for? Well, uh, because people are leaving. People are leaving these churches. Uh, again, the numbers are over the last 20 years, 20 million people have left the faith. Uh, that's what they're saying. So 3,400 people a day are leaving God. Now, I, I, I wonder how much of it is people actually leaving the Lord and how much of it is people are leaving church. And um, I think churches, for so long, we have had a, a formula that we do, that we follow, an idea that somebody started and it's just, and, and I, I think it was the Catholic Church, frankly. But I think the idea of, of this formula has been perpetrated for, for decades. And I think what's going on is, is we're doing the same thing over and over again. 
and we're expecting different results, and we're losing our congregations. They're going. Every church you see, particularly here in the Pacific Northwest, they're, they're just slowly dying. And I don't think that's God. I think that we, we have done something wrong. And so what, what we're burdened with is starting a church with that in mind and to plant a church planting church. And so the idea is to have one to two churches that we, that we uh, help other people plant every year to teach the men in the congregation to be leaders so that then they can go on and start a new church. Because something's got to give. And, uh, and so I, th I think it needs to be us. I think that's the, the key. And so, so the title of my message is The Supremacy of Christ in This Modern Age. So we see, we see that this, this, and I say modern age, I mean since the Industrial Revolution. When I say modern age, I mean uh, uh, since, since the techno technological revolution, since the Industrial Revolution in the 20s. Um, we see this, this modern uh, idea of treating a church like a business. And we, we reach out for more attendees, and we have, again, a formulaic plan, and uh, we try to do it our way. And, and I think oftentimes, clearly, clearly, it's failing. And so, um, so the Lord really burdened my heart and convicted me and said, Here, here's what you're going to do instead. And so here we are where God called us to Florida. We believe in the Titusville area, which is over on the, uh, the east side by Cape Canaveral. Um, it's actually, uh, fortunately enough, the Lord was merciful, and uh, it happens to be the place that has the least hurricanes. So there's that. <laughs> That's nice. But my wife and I, we, we do, uh, my wife's from the south. Um, so and I, I actually uh, definitely have embraced the south myself, even though I've lived everywhere. I lived in this when I lived in the South. I loved it. Um, I love the people. I love the culture. I love everything about it. And um, you know, I say, well, what about the heat? Well, it gets pretty hot here too. So you know, <laughs> I was I was looking over in Titusville and uh, the, keeping track of the weather, and it gets pretty warm here, up in the 90s, and it's 80% humidity frequently, and 90% humidity here, and over there it's you know, in the 80s, so it's a little bit cooler, and the humidity is a little bit lower, and I just kept noticing that through all of August and September, and I thought, well, you know, it's really not too bad, and like. And, uh, but I lived in Mississippi and Arizona. Um, Mississippi's a swamp. Uh, for lack of a better term, it's a swamp. Uh, Arizona, of course, it's, uh, it's a dry heat, but it, it's ridiculously hot. Um, so, you know, when you're at 130 degrees, it it's, doesn't matter if it's humid or not or dry. It's, it's just hot. So, you know, <laughs> so we'll go with that. But um, we, already, we already actually looked in uh, Philippians 1, uh, 9 through 11. Um, but if we could go ahead and go there again, um, that's actually going to be my, uh, I guess you could say my text uh, verses. Um, I do preach out of the King James. Um, you use whatever version you want. I, I, I won't let against you. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just joking. I, I read the ESV and the Amplified as well. Uh, it's a great study. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. So if, if uh, so I'm going to do some explaining in case... You know, um, I feel like uh, I oftentimes need to have things explained to me, and this, <laughs> this is, uh, I keep hoping that. So, in this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, 
that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. And I want to focus on the very last phrase, unto the praise and glory of God, because everything we do, everything we say, every action we take, every reaction we have needs to be focused on the fact that it's all for the glory of God and His supremacy. It doesn't have anything to do with us, because we can't do anything. God even has to give us our faith, the faith of Christ. Not the faith, not faith in Christ, the faith of Christ. So we're so pitiful, we can't even have enough faith to believe. God has to give us that faith. And so it's amazing when you look at everything we do being to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, Lord, and I, I thank you, Lord, that you uh, just gave us a map, Lord, that we can live our lives by, Lord, and that we don't have to guess, and we don't have to wonder, and, Lord, that we don't have to stagger around through life like so many people do, Lord, and we can seek everything about you through your word and through other men and women that are following you, Lord, and we can have a fellowship uh, with other saints, Lord, and that we can encourage each other in, in you, Lord, and that we can be helpers of one another's joy. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to always bear in mind that everything is for you, your honor, glory, your good pleasure, and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So, and like I said, everything we, we, uh, we do is to be done to the praise and glory of God. And, and I, there's a lot of different verses that the Lord gave me that, that I find interesting. And, and you don't have to turn there, um, but some of them are very, very succinct. Um, so Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, um, is actually uh, talking about G Jesus. And uh, obviously, he's the one that we're, we're to follow. So if you're, again, if you're, you're welcome to follow along, if you'd like. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. So he was talking about uh, people being created lower than angels. I'm sure everybody knows that. But at the same time, I figured uh, I'd explain it anyways. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and it set him over the works of thy hands. So even though... Jesus was created as a human. It says here that he was still set over the works of God's hands. Since the beginning of time, God intended for men to be put over his kingdom. I'm going to look at the creation story. What was the very first thing God did? He put him in the garden, and he said to dress and to keep it. So, so cultivate it, make it look pretty, and don't let it die. Right? So it's, it's our job since the beginning, before the fall, this isn't part of the curse. Men were uh, meant to, to um, uh, men were meant to work. Right? We, we are meant to live and die working for the Lord. So, so what we see from the beginning of creation is before the curse ever happened, the design was God created man and put him in the garden. Right? So, so with that in mind, we understand that Christ... Because Adam fell, and that plan went by the wayside, essentially, because, well, we're humans and we mess up. Jesus had to come and redeem that plan. <clears throat> Christ had to come, and his, God set him over the works of his hands, of thy hands, right? So verse 8 says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. 
So everything is under the subjection of Christ. He won back the kingdom that God intended for us as human beings. In verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And again in 1 Peter 5.11, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we see that we see that everything is for the praise and glory of God, not our own self-righteous endeavors. We see that it's to his glory and his honor. Um that Jesus Christ paid the penalty so that we might be able to be stewards of his kingdom. Jude 120, uh, well, there's only one chapter, but Jude 125, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both, both, both now and ever. Amen. So again, glory, majesty, dominion, and power. If we don't have that in our lives, if we don't see the fact that Jesus Christ and God the Father need to be preeminent in our lives to the, to the extent that every single thing we do is for this reason. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. It doesn't get any clearer than that. That's why they were created. That's why we were created for his good pleasure. Not for our good pleasure. Not so that we could walk around and, and do what we want to do. And, you know, act in a way that we want to act and constantly let our flesh speak out. We're supposed to bring everything into subjection to the Lord. We know this. So what's interesting is uh, then when we see Second uh, Peter 1.3. According as his divine power hath given unto us. All things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So we see that everything that was given to Jesus was given to us. And through the power of Christ, all these things were given they, that, because God called us to glory and virtue. Right? And so, so we see this, this pattern all through, through the, since the beginning of time. The, the, the supremacy of Christ from the beginning... All the way up to now in the modern age. So it's like, well, uh, people are dropping like flies, and, and it's, it's a sign of the times, and it's the end times. Maybe it is. Does it matter? Does it really matter? Because God didn't stop commanding us to do these things. If, if he wanted us to do something different, he says it. He makes it clear when things change. You know, when Jesus says, for example, he says, uh, you know, if, uh, not to commit adultery. But, if you, but, then, but I say unto you, if you look and lust, you're committing adultery. So he changes what he's saying if it's meant to be changed. Otherwise, it's a commandment that was never taken back. Right? So once God said something, so what did, what did he do? Um, he gave us dominion over the earth. He told us to dress and to keep it. And he never stopped saying that. That was never something that he rescinded. Okay? <clears throat> so in Romans... Chapter 8, verses 28 through 29. We see, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And then 29 is a, is a very interesting verse. Um, whether you're a Calvinist or not, again, it's irrelevant. If you trust that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose for your justification, and you trust that, 
and you believe that and receive that. But a lot of people use verse 29 to, to say Calvinism is for sure, you know, right. Um, but for whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. That right there to me is the key in that verse. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. How can Christ have supremacy in our lives in this modern age? Because we need to be conformed to his image. What did he do? How was he? What did the Father give him? Uh, what was under his feet? God gave him these things, and we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. So if that's the case, then we need to follow these things that were given to the Lord. So one of the things that I, uh, I felt burdened to, to speak about today, and I wasn't sure... Um, in the beginning, I wasn't sure if God wanted me to, to, to speak about it, but this morning he made it very clear. Um, we're, I know you all are looking for a new pastor, and um, I know Pastor Tim's got things he's going to go do, and uh, so I know he's not going to stop serving the Lord. But So, so what I want to give you all this morning is something that will help you, I hope, because you're, you're going to find a new pastor. It might take a while. It might, it might take years. It could be months. The Lord might provide very quickly. But whatever happens, that new pastor is going to bring in new families. And everyone here is in a unique position to help influence those families. Most of, the pe most of everybody here is older generation. You're in a perfect position to be sages for these new people coming in. So... You, you know, your, your, um, your, I'll, I'll say, we'll say a threefold um, thing that a church needs. So, so bear this in mind when, when the new pastor brings in new families. Keep, keep this in mind. The first thing that a church needs is godly, manly elders and leaders. So often we see churches and we have the men kind of step back. And they don't really lead. And oftentimes the women have to. Because the men are just too weak. Or they're just too... And I don't know what it's like here. I have no idea. So I'm just saying this. This is something that, that the Bible makes clear we need. <clears throat> so this, this will end up being... We're going to stay here for a little while. Titus chapter 2. So everybody, we can go ahead and turn there. <laughs> Titus chapter 2. So in order to keep the supremacy of Christ in this church, these are the number one, godly manly elders and leaders. Titus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So what he's about to say is sound doctrine. What he's about to say is very important. So he's saying, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Verse number 2. That the aged men be sober. Great. This just means dignified, right? There's not much more. There's not much more disconcerting than an undignified older man, right? So we, we see this this uh, this idea of being sober. So so being uh, not, you know, there's a time for play for every man until the day they die. I believe yes, but sober and don't be ridiculous about it, right? Grave again, dignified, 
temperate, <clears throat> you're balanced. You're not, you're not too hot, you're not too cold. I know, I know, I, well, 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 I know Revelation says about being hot and being lukewarm, but you don't, you're not giving yourself to, to addictions. You're not giving yourself to too much anger, but you're also not too passive, okay? That was Adam's first mistake. He stood there next to his wife and he let the devil tempt Eve. He passively stood there and let the devil tempt her. As it says in Genesis that he was standing right next to her. That she gave him fruit, gave, you know, gave it to him and he was standing right by her. And when you read the Hebrew, it says, it, it, it says that he was in the thick of it with her. He was right there next to her. Okay? So, so when you refer to, to the original text, you, you can see it is very clear Adam was there. So the first sin of man was passivity. And so often we as men, it's very hard to fight that. It's very hard on a daily basis to not stand back and be passive. And so we let our, our ladies take the lead. Because we won't. We just won't. And that's something we have to fight. And um, so, you know, it, when, when we see... Um, Sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. So these are the things that the aged men need to be. Now, aged doesn't necessarily mean old, right? It just means, okay, so there's a lot of elderly men that are none of these things. Just because someone is older doesn't mean that it gives them the right to, to teach these things, all right? doesn't mean that it gives them the authority to. Now, it's God's word. And so, absolutely, it can be shared. Sometimes the best thing a man or a, a, an older man or an older woman can do is tell people what not to do. I, I really messed this up in my life. I spent 30 years or 40 years uh, treating my wife or my husband X way, or I treated my children this way as they were growing up. Don't do that. That's solid gold. Share that. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, just because a person is, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, doesn't mean that they're described right here. Aged simply means you have grown in the Lord. Maybe you've been saved 10, 20, 30 years. So you are in a position as an aged Christian, maybe your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way up, can be considered aged. Because you've been with the Lord, you've walked with the Lord, you have seen God's grace and God's mercy, you have seen Him working in your life. You are able to share these things, to be sober, grave, temperate, sound in, in faith and charity and in patience. You can teach these things to the younger men. I've said this, I've already said this, but God designed men to work until we die. That's what we're supposed to, we're not supposed to give up on life. It doesn't matter. Whatever you can do for the Lord, Retirement is something that is an American thing. It's something that Americans design. Work and work and work until you hit a certain age and then retreat from life. Sit in your easy chair, gathering food and drinks to yourself. Essentially, you're, you're, you're just giving up. There should, oh, there should never be a time in your life where you just sit back and reap the benefits. You should always try your very best to serve the Lord. 
So Genesis 2.15, And the Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So that's the first thing, and I already quoted that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying to have a job and work for someone else until the day you die. That, that's not what I'm saying in any way, shape, or form. But too many men do stop serving. They just they stop serving to the Lord. Um, too many men just sit around and they're grumpy all the time, right? We've seen them. These grumpy old men, you know, all the time. And um, they do nothing to contribute to God's kingdom. So when we hit the age of elderly, that's when we have the most to give. When, when, when you get to the place where you have walked with God for 30, 40, 50 years, you have so much to offer. So many things that you can give these new families that are coming into this church. They haven't seen it. They haven't lived it. They don't know. You have lived in the love of God for so many years and you have such amazing treasure to provide for these new families coming into your church. And I, I see this, this, this rich field of sages here, men and women who have walked with Christ. And, and I don't know, maybe you haven't been saved for very long, but if you have, these are the, this is the, the, you have the most to give. And we desperately need the elderly men and women in our churches to, to keep working. We need it. So that's when we can help shape those that are starting out, help shape the kings that we know, the warriors that we know. So no one listens to me, you say. Let me ask you this. What's your attitude? At an older age, you should be the most loving, the most approachable, because you've had years of practice. Those men in here that are married, what did God say? Love your wives, as Christ loved the church. You've had so many years of practice loving. You should be the most loving people out there. But instead, what usually do we see with elderly men? We usually see, bless me. Praise the Lord. The older you get, you've had so much practice to love. You should be incredibly loving. And, and, and you probably are. Everybody here looks like a nice guy. <laughs> so <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. <clears throat> but instead, is your attitude... <clears throat> These young punks won't take any of my advice anyway. I've run my race. I've served my time. Let someone else do it. If these ungrateful pups want to learn from me, they're going to have to drag it out of me. If that's the approach you have to your role in the kingdom with a grudging, grumpy, judgmental heart, no wonder nobody listens to you. That's the attitude we have. And it's at any age, honestly. It's at any age. But especially when we get to be, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Man, so much to give. The second thing we need in a church, and bear this in mind, <clears throat> when uh, <clears throat> your new pastor brings in new families, <clears throat> good, godly, older men and women. So we already went through Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. <clears throat> let's speak the other things, and, and we went through that. So let's continue in verse number th for 3 through 5. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, so obviously act holy. Not false accusers. So don't lie about people. Don't gossip. Right? Not given to much wine. Te uh, teachers of good things. So, so this is the way an older woman, is, an aged woman is supposed to be. Why? That they may teach the young women to be sober. To love their husbands. To love their, their children. 
To be discreet. So, so what are they supposed to teach them to be? To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Aged woman, you can blaspheme the word of God by not doing these things. Thank you so much. Apparently I can't get dry throat. <laughs> but you, you, you can blaspheme the word of God by not doing these things. Right? So it's imperative, older men, that we are approachable. I say we, I'm 45, I'm not that old, but you know, I'm definitely not in my cowboy phase anymore. I'm in the king phase, I've got a family, I've got my little kingdom, and the Lord's given me much, right? But I see, as, as so often, I have had a rotten attitude, I have been unapproachable, I have had a, a, uh, a people who are horrible, and I just want to be alone and a hermit. And so, you know, I've had that, I've been through those phases already. So, so uh, be approachable, godly women, Asian women, um, teach these things to the younger women. So that the word of God isn't blasphemed. <clears throat> I was very careful when I picked the hymns this morning. And I thought it, it just kind of, uh, and the order they were done in was amazing. Thank you for that. That was great. So the first thing is, I'm thine, O Lord, right? So we belong to God. And the blessings come from God in order to be, because we are the Lord's, the, you know, and then in Christ alone, we can only do it in Christ's strength. So, so the third thing, and I think the most important thing for a church, I mean, all three, we need all three. It's like a tripod, tripod you know, get three legs. If one of them's gone, if we don't have uh, uh, godly, manly elders, if we don't have uh, godly, sold-out, uh, aged men and women, and if we don't have strong, godly families, our churches are going to keep failing. So we need all three of these things. So verse, four, uh, verse uh, 14, the rest of, well, let's see, let's look at uh, the rest of Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. That's pretty straightforward. So th this is essentially the rest of the qualifications of church members. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. <clears throat> that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, not showing all good, er, but showing all good fidelity, <clears throat> that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, right, righteously, godly in this present world. So often we attribute these particular aspects just to the pastors and elders of the church. But it's pretty clear that the church members, the men in this church and the women in this church, are to be this way as well. And since the in 1 Peter, where it says the elders are to be the examples to the flock, the examples of what? The examples of an elder. I think every single man has the obligation to do their best to try to meet the qualifications of an elder. Because what qualifications would you not want your son to have? Or yourself even. Is there any qualification for a bishop or an elder that you shouldn't have? No, there's not. So we see these things. So these families help teach them these things. You young men, you young fathers, be this way. Be like an elder. As best as you Because you're the elder of your own home. 
At the very least, you are the authority in your home, young men. And so that I, I'm saying what you should say to the young men that come in, because I know there's not, my family's the only one where <laughs> there's young kids. Um, but if, I think if we can teach these things, <clears throat> that, that this, is, this is paramount. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So we see that we are to be zealous of good works. This isn't putting, there's, a, there's, a, there's no age limit on this. There's no, there's no how, how young you, know, you started to, and you only go to 75 or something, retirement age, you know. It's not what it says. It, it, it's talking to everyone, right? So um, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So what we see is... Um, we see in, in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Again, there's no age limit on this. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. What does the Bible say in uh, putting on the armor of God? Be strong in the Lord. We're to be warriors of Christ. There's no time limit on that. Workmen, warriors. Our relationship to God is as sheep. That's what Jesus Christ describes his followers as sheep. It's not that we're supposed to be that way uh, in our lives, but towards God. We're supposed to be so submissive like sheep towards God. But what, what about the rest of the time? We're supposed to be workers. And we're supposed to be warriors fighting for the kingdom of God. Fighting against the principalities and powers in this present world. So I, I, my prayer for this church is that when the new families do arrive, when you do get a new pastor and he can help you and he brings in new people, that every single person here does everything they can to help build the kingdom of God and remembering that you have so much to offer now that you ever did before to help these young people also build the kingdom of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I come to you and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truths found in it. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to always remember to put you first in your sovereignty, Lord. You are worthy of everything we have. You're worthy of all of our praise, our worship. Lord, you're worthy of everything we do and say. Lord, everything is to your good will and your good pleasure, Lord. Help us to remember to always have you first in our lives. And everything we teach anybody else is the same. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>